<laughs> I think we all were. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, hi everybody. Welcome to Agitator. Episode seventy, the big seven O, the seven double D. We are talking about two thousand and five and two thousand and seventeen. Is this distracting? Are you distracted uh, with this? It's nah, very arousing. I'm I minimized it. I'm not looking anymore. <laughs> I'm re I'm reading Wikipedia now. <laughs> uh, yeah, for the listener, we've got some titties in the frame, with which we'll get to from from Meatball Machine. The hell was the second one called? Kodaku. Sudoku, Meatball Machine Sudoku. <laughs> We're here with the man, the myth, the legend himself, director, producer, podcaster, Jay Corrales, aka Low Res Wonder Bread. What's up, man? How you doing? That's a full on docs. Wow. Uh, I'm doing great. I, I'm, I'm hey, very happy to be here and you're chat Hol- about. You're, you're Hollywood. Your name is on the internet, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's. That's unfortunately true. I was just talking to, um, I was on another podcast recently called Low Society and talking about how, um, you know, if you exist online long enough, you kind of run through multiple different identities, like every seven years or you, you wind up changing your username or whatever it is you're doing. And there's so much shit that goes way back that's under my name that I wish I could just erase. It's on like <laughs> IMDB and stuff. Oh, shit. Like shit that you did, but the so it's yeah. just on your filmography and all that? Yeah. So back in, uh, back in 2019, we did a sketch comedy series on YouTube, which every episode was like 22 minutes, and we did maybe like 10 sketches in that. And um, what I did early on in, in my YouTube career was I would add those for like director and acting credits for myself. But then once you actually like do something of substance, it's like I don't want, I don't want yeah. 80 directing credits that are like, you know, funny little two-minute bits or, or something. So I have a lot of shit like that but i mean like publishing and whatnot we talked about that a little bit on my uh podcast when you guys came on to talk about decision to leave but things like that too there's there's a whole bunch out there no for sure yeah i I've, i'm always retweaking my bio and shit to be like i wrote these things and people are like you've done a lot more I'm like shut up shut up mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. no happen we, we don't talk about that but I did speaking of your work before I mean jumping into the the whole rest of the shit like like we did on movies as well. Mm. We'll we'll get into talking about the movie about an hour in. Uh I wanted to talk about your most recent work with Mass State Lottery. Yeah, it's been uh it's been a whole process. I got um so I'll I'll tell you something right now when we locked the movie originally when it was just like the work print it came out to i think three hours and 47 minutes it was so enormous because we had just been shooting on and off for two years and um there was like an original version of the movie that was focused on one thing and then i watched all of that and i was like all right this is good but this little element that's like right here it would be so much better if that was expanded upon so we at, at, at the current moment there's um there's a two hour cut of the movie, which I even think is still too long. And uh, almost two hours of like, cut scenes, like deleted scenes now that I have just sitting here that I can utilize for something else. I'm just trying to figure out what that might be at this point. Like Damn. we might do, um, 
we might do a series or something with it. And I don't know, even now, even like this month, this week, there's going to be a couple of extra shoots. So it's just still piling up, but there's a current locked version right now that a couple of people have watched. And um, the reception of that has been really good and also really informal in terms of tightening things up for um, previewing it to distributors in the next month. Oh, and that's the plan is like sort of running it through the distribution channels to figure out, do you put that shit up for like a bid or? Uh, I wish, I wish I had that sort of like power influence uh, to be able to, you know, do that. But no, I got reached out to recently and um, maybe I'll type it in the chat here. What movie these guys just put out, but I got hit up by a distributor. That's kind of only recently become a known quantity because of one movie they put out in theaters and I'll type that movie right now. It's got to be Terrifier 2. What is it? I don't know. I have no idea. Who knows, um, <laughs> who knows what it is? But uh, <laughs> but it, it's uh, you know it, uh, it they reached out and they were interested and they're going to be um, taking a look at it. And then also there was a boutique distributor that kind of runs uh, similar to Vinegar Syndrome that seems interested and is going to take a look at it as well. Nice. No, hell yeah. I'm stoked for that. The trailer's fucking amazing. Oh, thank you. And then you got you got old boy Buddy Duress in there. Yeah, he just gave me a call today. He disappeared for like seven months. And we were all like, well, he's either locked up or dead. And uh, nope, he's apparently off parole now. He's doing good for himself. And um, I might be linking up with him uh, on my way back to New York. I'm in Massachusetts right now. Hell yeah. No, I love this. You visiting family and shit? Yeah, spend spend the holidays with uh, my parents for Thanksgiving. How about you guys? We're chilling. Yeah, my, uh, my my stepdad killed a bunch of pheasants, so we're gonna have pheasants for Thanksgiving uh, out there. Nice. I've never been to Massachusetts. What's that like? Is it cold? It's freezing. It's like twenty two degrees right now. Kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like a slightly more upscale version of like if you've watched any Stephen King movie and have seen his version of Maine. It's like that, but just with a, like, a touch of New York to it. So. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Seems seems like a completely different world. Every time I've been to New York or really anywhere in the northeast of the United States, uh, it's just like a different, it's different people. It's a mm -hmm. different world. People who are used to the cold. I had a question for you. So we're talking about Mass State Lottery. You're, you're like a, you're a movies guy, obviously. You understand how movies work you you have a, a a way of looking at them that i think is different than the way that we look at movies on agitator because i think that you look at things like filmmaking competence and shots so my big question for you is when you're watching a movie like what are you looking for because hmm. I, I i see a lot of your opinions about this and that and the other but is there a is there a criteria when you watch a movie for, for for what makes it good or bad you know um i'm very critical of a lot of movies and sometimes i'm critical of movies that i even really like and it comes across as negative when maybe i don't intend it to be negative but mm -hmm. the the main thing that i think i i look for in any movie is um rewatchability because I feel like, all right, well, that doesn't just mean that this movie's 
good, it means it has some life to it, it has some character to it. Maybe it's doing something interesting. And I find that the interesting movies are, are often the most rewatchable. Good and bad can be um, kind of arbitrary sometimes. Like there can yeah. be an extremely well-made movie and right. you can forget about it the next day. Like Spotlight won Best Picture, I think, in 2016. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing you can really point out about it, aside from maybe being boring, that's of poor quality. But who's going and watching that film now? Who gives a shit about that movie? Yeah. yeah. You know? And I love Michael Keaton. He's in that movie. I was so happy for him to have two back-to-back -back Best Picture winners, but I didn't care at all. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I don't know. I don't really look for, for good or bad, necessarily. Like, um, something like terrifier 2 as you referenced um mm -hmm, i would mm -hmm. probably say that's good at what it does but compared to any other movie it would be bad right if you're watching schindler's list or something then that's not a very good movie by comparison so i don't know i the the, the real metric that i that i seem to go to is uh does it stick the landing and is this rewatchable and if it's both then i might go back to it what is what is sticking the landing look like for you I'll give you an example for comic book movies, recent comic book movies. Um, something like uh, The Batman, which Matt Reeves put out. I thought that movie fell apart in the last 30 minutes by trying to be something that it wasn't for 90 minutes before that. Mm -hmm. um, and it tried to involve these massive stakes and it didn't feel true to the movie that we were introduced to. Uh, as opposed to something like Joker, which keeps it low stakes, and the big moment is just a guy dying. Um, I thought comparatively that felt much more, all right, you didn't sully everything that, that you've earned to this point. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes just something like that. Don't, don't do something so out of step with what you've established um, where it feels unearned or inauthentic to what you've given. Right, commit to the bit. That's, I felt that way about about Batman because I, I actually enjoyed the Batman, but it did feel like it felt it tried to get that kind of Chris Nolan scope to it at the end where it's, you know, this is a bigger thing than what's actually happening. Um, so when you're watching a movie, are you looking at the frame, like the framing of shit? Like... Are you are you saying oh that's that's competently done oh the sound is good here the, the the visuals are good because I I sometimes think that I might be retarded when when I'm watching movies because I'm just like either in it or not but I don't have a I don't have a rubric for what what that actually means I have a Rubik's cube hell yeah you ever beat one of those. Mm -mm. I'm sorry right now guys for whatever reason my headphones cut out like a minute ago I I, I haven't heard anything said for about a minute I'm trying to fix this oh, right now that's sorry so, that's so good because I was calling you gay for like a minute and a half that's, <laughs> I'm really glad that that cut out can you hear me now I don't think so I don't think you can I think he's redoing. He's rehooking shit up. <laughs> we decided to not edit anything ever again. And then this is what we get. 
And I'm still not editing. I don't care. Hell no. Tomorrow, <laughs> say, hey, hey, everybody. This is Wednesday night, the <laughs> night before Agitator. This is Agitator Day Eve. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. See, y'all are eating pheasant. Yeah, we're going to eat pheasant. Apparently, it's really gamey. Uh, I don't, uh, I, I can't remember. I, I think I've had quail, but not pheasant. Quail's good. Quail is good. Quail is the one where you get the the individual bodies, right? Because quail are so small. Mm-hmm. So when you eat quail, they just give you the full quail. That's like a d- dove. Like if you ever been dove hunting, uh-huh. you just blast like 12 of them bitches out of the air at the same time. And then just put your finger in their throat and rip out their like everything and just throw yeah. it on the grill. Hell yeah. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about. But what do you what do you do with the feathers? They're so like I mean, it's so tiny. There's not really you just keep a water hose nearby. You just like rip out their shit and then just like clean that just hose it and you'll literally have like a mound of birds. Yeah. Just laying there where you're cracking beers and grilling up. Yeah. Oh, Uh, he's hopping in and hopping out oh he's gone now now we can talk all the kinds of shit that we want (laughs) (laughs) oh man he's ready to be admitted admit admit and he's back is he back his, his PFP is back. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that, He's guys. back. He's I have back. no idea what happened. Um, can I get a so recap funny. of of what I've missed here? Uh, we we were just sort of doing a play by play of uh, you cutting it and out, and how <laughs> how we decided just this week that we're not editing shit anymore. Mm-hmm. And so now the episode <laughs> is like all these technical difficulties that that we could have cut out, but you know that are totally going in because the episode goes up at seven thirty tomorrow morning, so oh, it's up boy. it's up in in ten hours. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you no, guys can I, hear me okay though, right? Yeah, of you're course. coming. Okay, through. terrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so so when you're watching a movie, then are you looking at the framing of stuff, the sound quality? The, the the cinematography because when I watch movies I, I I sometimes feel like like a retard right because I'm I'm watching you know Meatball Machine Part One and Two and I I know that it's not great but I'm enjoying myself but I'm not thinking about you know how the how the shots are lined up but as a filmmaker you you're thinking about that right like you're thinking about the way the stuff looks on the screen or or, or not. Yeah, uh, and I would say maybe more specifically when I first got into filmmaking and I tried to do like longer short films and and a feature film and struck out a couple of times and wound up with like just 45 minute messes that never got released or anything. I was more tuned into that. And then, you know, you do it long enough and you kind of just like, you know, that starts to fade away. You start to watch it again, like uh, maybe how you did before you first got started with that. But yeah, I, I I would say that anytime I'm watching a movie, I do have a, a focus on the cinematography or if they're trying to do something different with the visuals. More so now um, than I did before. I would say before I got into filmmaking, I was more concerned with 
the story. Mm-hmm. And now I, it's certainly more of the visuals and, and the editing at this point for me. So that's how you can kind of take like a four hour sort of shooting fest. Well, I know it wasn't like a, a one long stretch, but like mm-hmm. you can accumulate all of this footage and then sort of be like, okay, now what do we, like you were saying, you might take those deleted scenes and turn it into something else. So like that sort of your new perspective is also translated into like your approach basically yeah. with the. I, I, I think it's you know, vital if you're an indie filmmaker that uh, you have experience in editing, because then you can look for all the problems in advance that you might run into. Um, you know, I do a lot of freelance editing for a living. And uh, taking that approach, uh, as you know, I, I, I book all these sets or wherever I'm going to be shooting my, my, my work, um, it helps. And, and it can help you not be so wasteful. Like, for example, when we were doing that sketch comedy show that I referenced earlier on, um, you know, I had tried to make uh, two different comedy films, I think in like 2013 and 2015. And I, it didn't work out in either case. I was, uh, I was like 23 and 25 years old at the time. Didn't really know a whole lot about editing or filmmaking or, or any like the technical specifics. I was just learning. Um, but we got some pretty funny scenes from those movies and I was able to recycle them as sketches essentially. Um, that worked out of context. So being able to, I think, utilize whatever you have, even if it's not right for that one project, is also something that can be valuable if you're, uh, I guess, entrepreneurial with your your craft. Yeah, hell yeah. Editing's got to be a, a bitch because I'm usually a, a concept guy. Well, I'm known like in my circle of artist friends, like local artist friends as the writer, but mm-hmm. I'll be coming up with ideas and shit of, cause I'm friends with filmmakers around here, rappers, and we'll go out to like, try and make something just free firing. And it'll start off with a, like me having a concept from a storytelling perspective. And so then we're filming shit to try and get this like movie made or something. And then, of course, the musician involved is like, hey, I want to hear this new song. And then we're like, oh, we should put that in. And that turns into a music video, which is good because mm-hmm. I didn't even have an ending in mind. And, you know, so is that like was part of a Mass State Lottery or any of like your projects kind of how much of it was just here's a script and this is what we're going to do and how much of it kind of just. Grew. Just evolved on its own. Yeah. Uh, I would say most of it evolved on its own in a pretty similar fashion to what you just described. So I had a shooting script that was about 118 pages and I think we shot the whole thing, but, um, you know, there was all this time in between, uh, where we couldn't do it all in one go. We, we knocked out a good chunk of it in about 10 days in March of 2020. And, uh, I had some other scenes I had to shoot in New York specifically. And so during that time, I was just like, you know, it'd be a cool scene if I just did, if I had this guy do this, or if I was doing this, or I don't know, let's figure out a shot where I'm just looking like a cool guy smoking a cigarette, walking down the street. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll fit that in there somewhere. And so just coming up with like all these scenes on the fly, but then you wind up in a situation where you have four hours of material and you're just constantly cutting it down. I would say, and also, you know, 
for example, also with, with, um, working with somebody like buddy, it's, you know, it, it, as much as you can like write the best dialogue or something, if, if the actor has a particular way of speaking or something that doesn't you know, match, um, you get, you have to tailor everything to them. And sometimes it's just best to improvise, figure out something to say in the moment and work on that, um, on the spot. So yeah, uh, it, like improvising and, and tweaking things from, uh, you know, where they were to fit particular people or places or, or whatever the new idea of the thing is. Um, it's, it comes in clutch and it keeps it, I think, animated and interesting. It doesn't get bogged down. I can see that, uh, coming a lot of, I've been doing a lot of audiobook narration lately and I want to tweak so much while, mm -hmm. which I haven't been able to get away with, but uh, they pretty much just want you to read the story. But dialogue is where it really comes out whenever it's like, I do so many takes sometimes of just trying to be like, Why, how would somebody say this? Like, this doesn't seem like something that would come out this way. Right. But yeah, no, that on the spot, improvising and just go adapting to the environment is definitely crucial. I think that improvising is really key, no matter what your art form is. You could be making music or art or movies or books or whatever. But I recently thought about a metaphor for all this because Kelby and I have been in, and, and you have too, been in the indie publishing world for a really long time. And I'm sure that you have seen people who are incredible writers who put out incredible books and then those books go nowhere, right? Yeah. And I have a theory about what happens with that. And it might be helpful, you know, cross, you know, mediums. But I think that my friends who put out just insanely tight, well-written books where every sentence is, is a banger and you're just, you know, you're in it completely. I think about people who become like plastic surgery nightmares, you know, who have figured out the perfect, most beautiful human form, and they have uh, gotten surgeons to come in and, and make them look that way, you know, so the cheekbones are right, the jawline is right, the lip filler is right, ass, tits, whatever. And then like normal people look at them and go like, what the fuck is that? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? I think that artists can get that way too, where they have such a, a love for what they do that evolves into a, a, a kind of clinical, uh, uh, like this is good, this is bad. We do things this way and not this way. This is the script, we stick to it you know like mm -hmm. these are the lines and then normal people see that shit and they're like what the fuck even is this you know what i mean yeah um, yeah so i i think that like the improv angle of all this is so crucial for everything like if you're drawing something like do a fucking line that's not supposed to be there or if you're writing a book freestyle it a little bit if you're making a movie and you're working with this guy and he talks a certain way and your script is this way, like let him do his thing 
that's that's literally what's going to separate us from AI and the uh, the Kardashian plastic surgery nonsense that we're dealing with right now. So anyway, I think that's cool. I, I think you're 100% spot on. And also, this is not exactly related uh, to the metaphor there, but I one time had seen uh, the actress Famke Jansen from the X-Men movies yeah, on the train yeah. on the yeah. on the New York subway. And I always thought, oh, wow, she looks great. And I saw her in person. It was like a fucking horror movie because she's right. all all right. plastic surgery. Right, right. And, and I, yeah. I see this all the time. Like, if you ever go and look at porn on the internet... I don't, if you What's ever that? want to become like not horny, like go look up porn on the internet because I was feeling a certain kind of way, got on my computer. I was like, what's going on in the world of pornography? And bro, I shut that shit off. <laughs> like five, I was like five minutes in and it's all like up close, like dicks and pussies and like giant collagen lips sucking enormous cock. And I was like, it's a different world, bro. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's that's not what I'm that's not what I'm into. But so I think now that, I'm just kind of hungry. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think that 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 I just think that it holds true for for kind of, I mean, I've seen people. You know, I've been in this thing long enough to have seen people who are not extraordinary, not very talented, make it. Extremely talented people, not make it. And everything in between, you know what I mean? Like, so, so I'm, I'm kind of piecing this, this whole thing together, but a little bit of skill is important, but the ability to, I don't know, just be the hot girl who's, you know, got a little bit of tummy spilling over the jeans and, you know, no work done. I think that's, that's, that's an important thing to keep in mind when you're making shit. Which is, uh, I guess, this just became like the the David's thoughts about art podcast. But you know, <laughs> no, I I completely agree with you. I I think you can wind up um, maybe not sterilizing your art, but mm. rendering it at least inaccessible. If you try to be too much of a perfectionist and you're mm -hmm. too rigid with what you think you're supposed to do, so I, I think that element is incredibly crucial in making it feel alive making it feel like it's something that can be uh relatable because you know let's say let's say there's a 25 year old 30 year old writer out there who who is like the new aaron sorkin he's got a very defined writing style or something he doesn't have the means that an aaron sorkin has mm -hmm. um and he's shooting indie films with these no-name actors and they can't really you know get the dialogue down because it's just in a particular way it's in the writer's voice um, you know, if you're not willing to bend to your collaborators from time to time and allow them to uh, embody what it is you're, you know, what you're trying to get across within your project, then I think you can fall victim to yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think somebody who did not fall victim to themselves were the directors of both it's a great transition. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, 2005's Meatball Machine was directed by Yudai Yamaguchi. Uh, the effects director on that went on to, that's the guy who did Tokyo Gore Police. Mm -hmm. And oh, uh, 
several other classics in that vein. Uh, Yoshihiro Nishimura is the director of the sequel. I just found that out today. I didn't really realize that's who did it. Because this movie, or this sort of franchise, if you want to call it, that has a, a very odd history of being sort of rebooted or with these sequels spinoffs with no real explanation as to what kind of storyline it's following uh it's just kind of remixing this original concept of alien parasites infecting people turning them into meat cyborgs who battle each other and as it turns out in a at least by the end of Kodoku, I can't remember if this was the same revelation in the first one, but all for the purpose of producing an energy drink. It was not the revelation in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> that was all brand new in, in part two. That was kind of a, I thought that was so well done. You know, you've been through two movies of all this uh, gory action and and what have you and then you kind of zoom out and th there's a spaceship with a guy who says do you want to try like the the real monster like the real shit like we got the real shit <laughs> <laughs> and i love how he's like when he tries it you know it's this like high energy <laughs> japanese infomercial style and he's like oh yuck i'll have another <laughs> yeah i mean we've i on my show i don't think we've ever talked about movies like this really i mean we've gotten kind of out there but you know this this genre of like japanese uh over the top surrealistic uh -huh. very animated um live action filmmaking like i don't even know how to approach discussing these films um, my first big takeaway when I was watching that first one, I started, I started with the short film and then I went into the first one was, wow, this director really liked Tetsuo the Iron Man. Yes. Yeah. Especially it, the drill definitely stuck with him. Mm -hmm. And it felt, you know, the Japanese love just straight up stealing. They don't have qualms about just, we're going to do, I'm going to do my version of this. And mm -hmm. I, I caught wind of this when I was, um, reading the uh the resident evil like history book um itchy tasty where it was like they wanted to copy certain like american horror movies or something and you can all you, like there's so many examples of this throughout uh you know japanese film history and, and everything else i think they had their own version of king kong that wasn't even authorized or something i don't know there's there's a lot of that and this felt like like a cousin or or a, like a, an inspired step sibling of tetsuo um, when I was watching it and I really enjoy that aspect because that's one of my favorite Japanese films um, is that one and also the the sequel I thought was pretty good the third one not so much I wasn't a fan the third one is good. oh no it's, yeah. the, it's the only negative podcast we've ever had was uh, Tetsuo 3 because it's it's so trash and when you read what uh, Sukamoto wanted to do with part three you kind of see where he's going with it but as you put it, he doesn't he doesn't stick the landing in the actual movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, mm -hmm. the actual movie is garbage. But no, I think that uh, the Tetsuo influence is very clear with the um, 
not just the drill dough, but the uh, the tentacle, like the, the the moving wires, you know, like the, yeah, the, the tentacles the felt like the wires from Tetsuo. Right, how they're because... they're spazzing out all over mm -hmm. the screen, sort of like a if you take a a bundle of I don't know for noodles or something and just go. Wah, 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 wah. So both movies that I watched, part one and part two, follow a loser. Uh, in the first one, it's a guy who works in a machine shop. In the second one, it's a guy who's like, <laughs> like, if there was an opposite of the 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 tough, heavy, uh, rocky style debt collector, the guy who's gonna break your thumbs, he's like the opposite of that, where he just shows up at your door and very politely asks you for the money that you owe. But it's uh, it's two different styles of loser who encounter a kind of face hugger alien that's that's semi-organic semi-mechanical that attaches to people and turns them into i guess meatball machines right like these these big <laughs> power ranger bad guys who fight each other right so the the alien attaches to your chest the the tentacles envelop you you get two drills through the eyes that give you these kind of you know screw eyeballs right and you become a pure killer right if a if a person comes in front of you you kill them but what you're really trying to do is you're trying to find other meatball machines so that you can fight because every meatball machine has a a sack <laughs> a sack <laughs> somewhere on their body that has a golem in it and um the, the the golem in part two is computer generated and kind of cool looking uh fuck the golem in part i hated the way that shit looked the two little meaty pink hairy uh claw eyes or whatever they were i hated that shit but the golem's controlling these things and, and they, they fight each other and they've come to earth to fight each other uh, revealed in part two at the very end, all to be for the purpose of uh, creating energy drinks, but it's a playground that these these things operate in. Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head in that it felt like a lot of these fight scenes, especially in the first one, I think, felt very early Power Rangers, very uh, Rita Repulsa. And uh, yeah, it, it, it has such a, you know, actually something that I really liked about the 2005 one is that it seems to be shot on video. So it has like sort of um, not at all similar to it, but it kind of reminded me of the movie uh, Collateral that Michael Mann put out, which was shot on um, this Viper camera. It's got yeah. that sort of like oddly synthetic yellowy kind of uh, texture to it that I enjoyed, made it feel like extra ill or something no yeah that that texture to it is exactly um it's one you gotta adjust your tv settings for if you have like a too high quality i was watching it on tv and was like the fuck is going on with this and so i i finished watching it on my phone and it mm -hmm. auto corrected i guess it looks much better but it had yeah it has that collateral film is exactly what it looks like the so what was did you prefer the first actually like from your sort of where you're coming well, from watching these like you know i think i think for whatever reason the second one 
lost me towards the end. And up until then, I felt like I was preferring the second because everything improves with that second movie um, in terms of the look, um, the directing style, the acting performances. It's more over the top. You see breasts, very uh, pretty decent breasts, which were showcased <laughs> earlier on this podcast. Tonight, for a while. Nice yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I liked all of that, but I think um, after the movie and I had my feelings settled, I probably did prefer the 2005 film slightly more, although I felt like it was clumsier and um, maybe it felt a little stretched out more than it needed to be. And See, I, I, I felt like yeah. the second one was stretched, was, was like way stretched out, mm -hmm. right? I feel like they, I, I agree with you 100% that you know, I texted Kelby like, bro, you got to watch part two. I was literally an hour and six minutes in. So I had 25 minutes left of the movie to go. Mm. And then those last 25 minutes, they just, they've got no idea what to do. Yeah. With, like with the movie, you know what I mean? So they're, they're just kind of floundering and it's, it's the, <laughs> the crazy karate crew uh with the, the guy with the hitler the hitler mustache yeah who's, you the know, very bushy guy. hitler mustache and then yeah, the guy with the chairs like, chair guy all that stuff is sick but it's sick in the context of it being a you know a quick joke and i've seen a lot of movies like a lot of movies that attempt to do the grindhouse style remember the grindhouse revival in like 2007 or so. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, that's that's how I got started cuz they were doing a competition for um Hobo with a Shotgun cuz that mm -hmm. was part of yeah. you know they they did a contest originally I think in Canada where for the Grindhouse Quentin Tarantino Robert Rodriguez uh, double feature if you shot your own fake trailer the best mm -hmm. one would get into the Canadian release Hobo this, with a yeah. Shotgun got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um Hope with a shotgun then did a subsequent contest did the same thing and that's that's what got me roped in and yeah for like a, a good period of time if you saw people's youtube videos or like fan edits or some you know people were doing like star wars grindhouse edit editions mm -hmm. in their spare time it was, it was everywhere thing. yeah it was a big thing but the but the big problem with that grindhouse revival and i include those those first the, those two movies right like death proof and, and planet terror Mm -hmm. is that once you get past the aesthetic nostalgia aspect of it, neither of those movies really had anywhere to go after that, right? I think Planet Terror did it a lot better than Death Proof. Um, it was kind of surprising to me that, that Planet Terror seemed to be shifted to the background while Death Proof became you know, part of Quentin Tarantino's oeuvre, right? <laughs> and it's like, that that's a real movie. Um, but the I, I include Hobo with a shotgun with that. Uh, what was the movie that Clive Owen was in that was... Uh, shoot him he, Up. Shoot him Up, right? Like, he was a hobo in that movie, too, and he was, you know, but he was like a crazy killer. Like, all these movies, once you get to about 75% through they completely run out of ideas they like they don't know where to go from that because they've they've exhausted that aesthetic capital that they began with and i feel like part two of meatball machine had that problem too where they're just like what do we uh, what do we do now <laughs> where does the big we we introduce this big glass enclosure 
and you know people can touch it and apparently their thoughts get turned into these golden kanji beams that get but what what does any of that mean and then at the end they're like uh energy drink right <laughs> I, I don't fucking know which is a hilarious punchline but just yeah it's a good punchline it, sort but of it's not like but but it's not it's not delivering and it's and it's a it's a kind of final point on i think about 20 minutes in the movie that kind of don't go anywhere you know like, i agree oh, the girl yeah. turns into a monster she's got the she's got the kid the kid's face is like crying you know crying from from turtles <laughs> she's like, oh. but like it's really weird because you can be sucked into a movie by its aesthetic sensibilities but then you do get to a point where you're like, oh, but what are you going to show me? And I just felt like part two didn't have anything to say at the end of it. Well, this, this might be an example of the other end of where maybe improvisation or something can be not your best friend, uh, where if you don't know what you're doing and you're just throwing random things at the wall, um, it can be too much. And so what, what I, felt was the issue with the ending or maybe the last third of the first movie was I felt like the whole fight sequence was just elongated more than yeah probably necessary whereas right. this this film things were happening but I don't right. like they really weren't of direct consequence mm -hmm. um and yeah I think you do feel I, I believe the second one's 15 minutes longer than that first one and you do feel that more um mm -hmm. And that is maybe something that I appreciated about that first film is the brevity of it. You know, it's not, you know, if the average person were to sit down and watch that and were maybe personally deterred by like a lot of the technical issues or, or whatever with using a video camera as opposed to a film camera or um, maybe shoddy lighting or, or special effects or something, it still isn't wasting your time really it's 85 minutes i think or 95 minutes it's very quick Short, yeah. so it's hard to have gripes with it yeah no i think my only thing with uh the first one really as opposed to the second one like on the same tip it's like the second one sort of felt long because they were trying to stretch it somehow and then the first one it had moments of feeling long because they probably they weren't like experienced with the editing really there were scenes where it's like am i still looking at this dude's face this has been like seven <laughs> seconds of looking at this dude's face you know what i love about the first one dude is is the fact that you know the movie starts off with yoji who is a he works in a machine shop he's he's like drilling something i don't know what the fuck he's doing he's doing something but he works with these assholes who are always talking about fucking chicks and then yoji's out one night and he sees these guys out with his girl the person who's he he's been peeping for like just like creeping on for years right he sees her across the 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 stretch of land and you know she's folding laundry and shit she's cute she's got these big ass ears which my first thought was like <laughs> imagine the head 
with a chick with ears like that, you could just like grab the ears. So he sees her, and then he sees her out with one of these guys, and he he's like, oh, he, he's gonna try to fuck her, and he does. Right, this guy is trying to rape her. Yoji comes in, says, "Hey, leave that girl alone." He gets beat up. They go back to his place, and she's ready to give him pussy for for standing up for her, right? But she's like, "Wait a minute! Before I take my clothes off, <laughs> I've got a really bad scar on my chest. It's really ugly." And Yoji's like, no, nah, it's cool, baby. It's cool. It's whatever. <laughs> and I like the movie did this because he unbuttons her shirt and like sees the scar. And he's like, oh! <laughs> 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 like, he, he straight up, he does not play that shit cool at all, you know? And then she has this whole tragic backstory. My father, he cut me up so that, you know, I could just be his forever. And now I've got all these ugly scars. And that takes you about 45 minutes into the movie, right? Like, that's, that's, that's where you're at. That, And then Yoji, who has found one of these facehugger Tetsuo things that he's keeping in his closet in a bag, wakes up and decides to possess this chick. So I, I felt at that moment, like, this movie is really fucking dark. Like, this chick has had a fucking horrible life. She's got these big ears and a scar. And, <laughs> and now she's fucking, now she's a meatball machine. I don't know. Yeah, it felt kind of, uh, kind of audition, you know, where yeah. uh, you learn about the girl's backstory and the pervert and all that stuff. And then, yeah, I, she, she, she kind of gets fucked by the parasite instead mm -hmm. of our protagonist isn't isn't the actress from audition in part two isn't she the chick in the holy mountain hat hmm yeah is that yeah. the girl from audition she's she's commonly used in uh a... because she was in tokyo gore police mm -hmm. so yeah she's that, she's I the main chick in tokyo she's gore got police. The eye, right like she's super hot but she's got like the one eye that's kind of like lazy yeah nishimura likes to use her so hot like when when you're hot but you got a lazy eye or you're like a little bit retarded like that oh that's it. you're retarded thought, and you don't know the word no her. she's the one who's got the fucking she's got the um she's like uh got this the, the the street sweeper right like she's she's putting the the lines down and she's got that big green hat that's her no I th I think so, but um, you know how totally pointless to the to the movie. By the way, you know what? It no, doesn't, doesn't matter at all. Also, she's listed. You know what she's listed as in the cast? Hmm. Uh, prostitute. She. <laughs> 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 yeah <laughs> but i like how i like how these movies i like how um just just for the first meatball machine uh you know it is cyberpunk wait you know <laughs> what i just i just lied to you that's audition chick yeah it is right it is yeah. her. that's audition chick yeah i didn't scroll down far enough i just saw prostitute and thought that was hilarious <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, anytime I think I recognize somebody in one of these types of movies, I, I, I just, I automatically assume I'm being racist and I'm confused. Like, I'll give you, you know, this is, is that not Jackie a Japanese Chan? person. Yeah, well, no, I, no, I went to... uh with a haircut like, like Jackie Chan. <laughs> I was at the Whitney Museum recently. I kept looking at this guy. I was like, is that... Is that Chuedo Ejiofor from 12 Years a Slave? <laughs> and uh, I had to like do a circle around this guy about four times before I realized it is Chuedo Ejiofor. I'm not just being racist right now. So let's go. You know. I, I was on a bus one time. This is actually when I was on the bus coming up to Oklahoma to first meet David IRL. I thought I was sitting behind uh, South Park Mexican. And I was texting my friend. I was like, <laughs> I was like, bro. I was like, bro. SP. He was even. He had the, SPM the face. SPM on the bus, bro. SPM. Oh yeah. I was like, I'm on a bus with SPM. He was like, that nigga locked up tighter than a crab's ass. You are not on the bus with SPM. I was like, I... SPM was like a staple of every like 2006 to 2009 party, like. S that it would have been crazy if it was SPF. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's just his first day out, or he broke out of prison, and he's just like, "What do I do now? I'll catch a greyhound, I guess." <laughs> I was on a bus once with a guy who I thought was Jeremy Renner. I could have sworn it was Jeremy Renner, and he had like everybody on the bus being like he was talking to random people on the bus, and this old lady was like, "You're so handsome. You should be in movies." And I was like, in the back, I was like, that's fucking Jeremy Renner. He is in movies. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you ever get mistaken for anybody, Lorez? Me? Oh, no. Actually, I feel like I got a... Oh, wait, no. Did, didn't you send me a, a tweet, J. David Osborne? Didn't you say, oh, this is you? Like, it was a bitmoji or something? I don't know if I did that. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I got a, a DM or something. It was like, hey, this is you. Was and I was like, oh, yeah, was, I was guess a, so. Was it of Super Mario? <laughs> it was somebody who looked like that. And I, I, I thought it looked like uh, Gold Pony, the guy on, on Twitter, Gold Pony, <clears throat> who looks kind of oh, Tom hardy -ish. Oh, right, right, right. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did do that. I did do that. No, it was, it was me. It was me. It no, was bro. you. Yeah. So I, I, got, I went on this podcast. It still hasn't come out yet. But it's it's this really cool podcast that this guy's doing. Oh. He's making he's making uh like in Unreal Five he's making images of, of what we look like, and he's taking pictures of us, and making a, a kind of a three D model. And the thing that came out, I was like, that looks like low res. <laughs> that, that's not me. <laughs> So that's, so that's what that was. That's and the closest gonna... thing I've gotten to uh, a celebrity comparison is is that render model. <laughs> Does he have a, he's got a mustache. He looks like <laughs> is that uh no that was a genuine uh mistake of identity though, because he also sent that to me and I thought before he explained what it was, I was like is low res in a video game? It looks, it looks like it looks, like, it looks like, bro, that looked like you. I mean, for real. Like, when you look at it from the side, it looks more like me, but, but, but head on, that was like, that's why AI will never overtake us because AI thinks that me and low res look the same and we don't. 
No. <laughs> there's there's an AI walking around and and sees low res and is like, honey, that's the guy from Green Room. <laughs> you know, I think the same year you were in Green Room, I was uh, I was in Patriots Day, the Mark Wahlberg movie. Nice. Very similar film, so I get why an AI cool. would mistake that. Yeah, because yeah, because yeah. because we're both actors. Yes, exactly. <laughs> in the in these politically charged thrillers. Yeah, politically charged thrillers. How long did it take you? Who were you in a? How long did it take? One at a time, boys. How how long did it take me to grow my mustache? Um, yeah, I don't know, like thirty-two <laughs> years, I think. Uh, thirty-two I, years. I, yeah, something close to that. Have you ever? I seen had to. I had to get rid of it uh, during Mass State Lottery for some flashback sequences. And I was like, oh, this is going to fuck me up. It's not going to grow back for months. And it was back in like five days. So, Let's go. It didn't, you know. didn't want to be gone. No. He thought no, you were going to be bitch. It it's good. That's how facial hair works. Like you, you got to like keep, get it comfortable. So then when you shave it off, it comes rushing back. It's like, oh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. <laughs> I was so the first I feel like 24 or five years of my life, I could just grow sideburns and mutton chops and I couldn't grow a mustache at all. So now I just hang on to it for dear life. As much <laughs> Brothers, as I can. some kind of hormone from our parents generation that's like dudes around our age have really hard time growing mm -hmm. facial hair starting out. It's yeah, all, it's the, always that patchy shit. I have a, a friend who's like 29 and he still can't even like grow a beard or, or a mustache. And he's not like a soy type at all. He's like in very good shape, but he just cannot grow anything. It's if he tries, it's just dirt. It's round up. Did y'all eat Kraft macaroni and cheese as a kid? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, man. probably. Yeah. See, that's what it is. That's what it was. <laughs> That's what it was. Now my beard gets long as hell now. I was cracking up because we were falling over each other asking our Hollywood celebrity <laughs> friend here uh, questions. David goes with mustache, and I was going to ask who who you were in Patriots Day. I I played a, a panicked bystander. <laughs> hell yeah! So, hell um, yeah. I was on the set for like fifteen hours one day. And I uh, did not get paid. I got paid with a ham sandwich. I'm a vegetarian. So I was just like, oh, great. A cheese, cheese on a hard roll. This is great. Hold on, hold on. You're a vegetarian? Uh, well, I've been a vegetarian. And then this year, I kind of, I broke. And I started eating bacon four times a week and having steaks every, every meal. And How do you feel? <laughs> my cholesterol shot up. My fucking blood pressure's through the roof. So now I'm vegetarian again. Not all cholesterol's bad, though. Is it your LDLs? Your LDLs went up? I look. I don't even know. You're asking me difficult questions. I'm a movie guy, not a health guy. You know, I just, <laughs> I, uh, I do things in extreme. So, like, it, all right, I haven't had bacon or anything for ten years, and then I started just eating it like crazy. And uh, all I knew was, I feel horrible. I have to, yeah, I have to yeah. quit. I have to stop here. So I've been kind of off meat for about two weeks. So if you do something and you feel bad, you stop doing it? More or less, yeah. Uh, I started smoking cigarettes at the age of 30, and then mm -hmm. it caught up to me this year, and I decided to stop, so I just stopped. Man, that's got to be – that's such a weird place 
to be because I I just exist in the constant feeling of of just shittiness where I'm like everything like everything sucks everything hurts <laughs> so like for me like drinking eating it just it like nothing matters I'm just like yeah it's all bad <laughs> that cares? happened to to me the other day on the last episode actually the day after mm-hmm. I was I went through a fifth of hitting on air and then yeah, the next lit, day bro. I got pretty lit and next day I was like oh man guys I don't I don't feel good like I can't get out of bed I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I, I, dude, I texted I te- because I I drink so much and I'm I'm just I'm either hungover or drunk or whatever. And so <laughs> Kelby sent this message where he's like, I can't keep food down and I feel dizzy and I'm like, that's called a hangover. <laughs> it's, it's called being hungover. It's it's every day of my existence. Like, I, I don't know what the problem is. And he's like, I'm never drinking again. <laughs> but now he's got that say. Yeah, it's, it's say. I'm drinking say. That was Henny, so we should be good. Yeah, is good. You s- switch up the brands. I'm not a full-blown quitter. <laughs> yeah, I take it I take it pretty moderate these days with, with drinking. I had a, a period in my 20s where I feel like I was spending a good half of my paychecks on just alcohol. I didn't have an alcohol problem or anything. I just like having fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that was another thing too, where it impeded on my creativity. I couldn't like mix the two. I always get caught up with like one thing and I've trained myself to have like the one thing be editing or whatever it is, as opposed to hopping in out of all these different things. Um, but if I have nothing going on, like I went to a Christmas, no, it wasn't a Christmas, Thanksgiving party recently. That was a lot of fun. That was an open bar. Um, and uh, I got to work with, um, I got to hang out with a bunch of people that I've been working with and uh, hearing some very obnoxious stories from fucking significant others and whatnot. You just have to drink during those things. You have to get loaded. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. My wife and I went to a wedding not too long ago and that I couldn't imagine going to a wedding. It was a great time, but a lot of that great time stemmed from the booze. I could mm. not imagine just being sober. Like I'm, I'm so happy for your happiness. Uh, have you seen Meatball Machine? <laughs> <laughs> Is there any reason online for why they decided to wait twelve years to release the sequel? And the, the director of the sequel is not. The same guy who did the first, right? Right. It's the practical effects guy from the first. Okay. Decided to take it and put his own little spin on it. So I don't know if uh, the other guy, I'm going to just go on assumption that the other guy is either broke or dead. And because he never really made anything else of note. And uh, since... Yeah, there's not even a picture of this dude on the internet. So my boy is missing in action. Um, if anybody has seen Udai Yamaguchi, please, please call the agitator hotline. We're, we're looking for him. But uh, yeah, so I think probably what happened is Nishimura just decided I need to make another movie. I'm a I'm a remix. That I love movie. the idea that he's been stewing on it for twelve years. He's like, I have a story to tell. 
and nobody's listening to me. I have to get the budget together. But once I get that budget, bro, there's going to be five minutes of pure titties. There's going to be titties that shoot machine guns, right? There's going to be a motorcycle guy that rips a kid in half. It's going to be the sickest shit that you've ever seen, ever. It, he had a vision, and he, he followed it for 12 years to make this happen. I think that's beautiful. You know, that, that titty shot did make me think, like, this was released in 2017. This is, like, totally fine in Japan, which mm -hmm. is generally, like, a more I've considered anyway. I don't, I don't actually think this might be the case. Uh, like, a more stuck-up culture as far yeah. as everything yeah. goes, but especially, right. like, sex. Um, and this is this is not, like, a taboo, but I think if you were to do that same exact thing in, like, a big commercial release in America, if that was in Top Gun, right? Yeah. That would be just that would be a, a problem. Just in an F, just in an F fifteen, just titties, yeah. like, titties becoming 60, 60 years old in front of you. You know how you like you age when you hit a certain G limit. So her titties are flying up and they get all wrinkled and weird. And then <laughs> like like when the G force lets up, they go back to being awesome. <laughs> how amazing of a shot that would have been, though! And everybody who went, who was so excited to see Top Gun Maverick, like, could you imagine the applause at that moment? It <laughs> would just ripple through the theater. Oh man! No, it, I think that. Um... In terms of Japanese society being more reserved, that's not the case for their artistic output, right? Mm. They are, if you're, do you remember that Tom Green skit where he's on the subway in Japan? You remember the Tom Green in Japan episode? You guys remember yeah. that? No? Yeah. I do. I, he, do, we I went Tom, on do we have any Tom Green fans in the house <laughs> right <laughs> now? <laughs> But he had the whole episode where he went to Japan and he was in the capsule hotel and he was dressed up like a fork and the, the costume was choking him to death and he was waking up Japanese businessmen in their capsule hotel to ask them if they wanted to have a free uh, Go Fork Yourself t-shirt while he was in a fork costume. It's like, it's classic comedy. But there's a bit where he's on the subway and like everybody's quiet, they have their head down and he's like, does anybody want to get fucked? You know, like... He's, he's like screaming and, and Japanese people are like, shut up, do not speak. Um, <laughs> so that's their outside culture. But when it comes to their art, I mean, Japan's been lit since the 1700s, bro. Like the, the fisherman's wife, that octopus that's like eating a chick's pussy and its eyeballs are like looking at her like, yeah, bitch, you love this shit. I mean, <laughs> the Japanese are crazy with their art. So I think do you, that- uh, Do you think it's a capitalist thing where like, cause Japan is like hyper-capitalism and sure. the people at the t with all the money are major mm -hmm. pervs, right? Like the fisherman's uh, wife, like those kind of books were commonly read to just groups of read and kind of performed in front of just groups of wealthy dudes bro i think it's the bomb dude i think it's the bomb and I'm, I'm not even joking i think the bomb the, the two bombs on japan damn we dropped two of them bitches <laughs> yeah we dropped two of them bitches i think i think the bombs fucked their shit up i think they were already kind of a little pervy because they're so japan's on an island it's got the sea between it and Korea that is wildly tempestuous. 
China couldn't conquer Japan. Korea couldn't conquer Japan. Although Japan did adopt Chinese kanji, it is the most singular language on the face of the earth. Nothing's like it. Chinese, like we think like, oh, they look the same. Their, their eyes are small, but like- I don't think that at all, just on record. <laughs> but like Korea, Vietnam, China, they all have kind of a similar language, like a lingual structure. Japan's is entirely different. It's alien. It's out there. Nothing is like Japanese. It's singular. And I think that their isolation and uh, combined with the, <laughs> with the A-bombs led them to a completely different way of thinking about shit that creates these kind of movies that we like watching uh and also makes them eternally mysterious like why is it inappropriate to speak loudly on the subway but completely fine to have uh like a movie where a chick is riding a man who's also a motorcycle with her top off and her titties bouncing for five fucking minutes and and that's that's the movie right i, I it, it's got to be a combo of those things so what I'm hearing here is in order to fix the quality of art here in America now is we need a bomb. We need we someone to nuke the, the fuck out the of us. Bomb, Let's go. Let's go. I was go. rooting for it with, they had the, you know, on Twitter last week or something, they were like, Oh, world war three on a Tuesday. Okay. And then Russia sent something. I was like, let's go art, <laughs> art revolution. <laughs> we're going to have, gonna have a revival i'm in oklahoma here. i'll be fine low res might be uh, you know it's all right depends i don't know where it, maybe where it lands i'm in queens not at the moment but i live in queens and that might be just like i might get radiation poisoning or cancer in a couple of years but i think i'll be all right I, I think all that's fake i don't think radiation poisoning is real at all no <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my dad went through radiation. And can can you prove to me that radiation poisoning is real? Uh, he said he ain't ever gonna do that shit again. He told me he was like, "Bro, I'ma tell you, like, I love you, but like, I ever find out I got cancer again or something like that, I'm just going." <laughs> so I was like, "Damn, that shit but must he, suck." So he he got something from radiation. It just made him really sick, like really really sick. How does he know? Because he got really sick. I don't know. What if it was a coincidence? That's what I'm saying. What if? Thank wow. You. What if he was drink? What if he was drinking the night before? <laughs> He's like, bro, my my stomach hurts right now. And, uh... It's like, oh, it's all the radiation. He's like, oh, bad, 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 bad. Yeah, it's the radiation. No, I think it's fake, bro. I don't think it's real. I think it's all there to just scare us. I think you're just daring the Russians so that we can have good art again. <laughs> so be like, fake, you think it's fake. Well, people are like, oh, well, you live near a military base, so that would get hit by a nuke. And I'm like, I know what the blast radius is. I'm outside of the blast radius. I designed this thing. Radiation is fake. I'll be good. I'm fine. I'll live. <laughs> 
If you can't see it, it's not real. Ex- bro, exactly. Exactly. I watched this documentary where people went to a like an irradiated town in Japan and they all had these uh, like clickers, you know, like these kind of aliens, like boop, 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 boop kind of thing to mm-hmm. let you know where the danger is. And they were going and they're like, oh, it's above 5,000. We're, we're fucking, you're alive, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did that do? That's like the most meaningless job they give to you in the plant. They give you a little reader, just like one of those Ghostbuster things. And you just stand there and you're basically just, you know, you're just a $10 an hour grunt. It's just a yeah. job that they created. They're like, here, hold this. And you stand in the alley while people work and you're just like, yep, uh, it's it's ticking. Now it's not ticking all that much. I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's like working at McDonald's and they give you something that's like, this is the peanut oil detector. Be careful, and your little beef is like, oh, the levels are above 9,000. <laughs> and yeah. so what? So what? Like, we literally, bro, we drink things out of plastic bottles. All of our bodies are full of plastics right now. Uh, we routinely inhale car exhaust and, you know, whatever gnarly shit's out there, and you're gonna worry about radiation. Oh, it's gonna make my skin melt off. I don't know. Maybe seems fake to me. I'll believe it <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I, a bitch. Uh, <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, 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 you know, I got into this uh, like creepy pasta rabbit hole on YouTube where people just tell scary stories, right? And mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. they always say, "Oh, it's a true story." And I get like I violently mad when I start to detect bullshit. Like, oh, I got a random Snapchat as I was walking through the woods, and it said, "Where are you going?" And I started running. And I, you fucking liar! You're you're so full of shit. That's cap. That's 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 what the Zoomers say. They say that's cap. Yeah. And I asked uh, asked my Zoomer niece and nephew if cap was the thing, and they were like, "Oh." Like, what are you saying? Like, what <laughs> words are you saying? And I was like, you mean like bussin' for real, for real? No cap? Is like, they're like, stop talking right now. That's, none of that's real slick. <laughs> anyway. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I do I, hate the fake creepypastas. They make me mad. They make me so mad. But uh, yeah, there are like a few good channels. I, I listened to one where it was like these guys were out in Russia and they were hanging out in the forest and then they just decided to like make camp somewhere. And then five days later, all of their skin melted off or something. Bless and they said it was, it was the radiation. That's, that no, was the, the re- no. oh no. <laughs> okay. It was the fucking Slender Man, bro. Oh. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just imagining uh, like a nuke town scenario where it's like mm-hmm. post-apocalypse and you've got people like me and David walking around like, that shit's fake. <laughs> what are you doing? Fake. Wearing I, I wearing their Fallout Four like suit <laughs> with the mask and everything, and it's like, what are you doing? Look at this bozo, dude! I I heated up my son's chicken nuggets in the microwave today, and we watched the microwave. That's my it's microwaves, right? That that should do something. But we just we just watched it happen. We we carry around cell phones in our pockets at, at all times, 
And if you don't think that your cell phone's not emitting something, you're retarded. Same for your Wi-Fi. All that shit's affecting you at all times. So I'm not saying that there's like zero effect. I'm just saying that I feel like radiation, it's kind. they're kind of being drama queens about the whole thing. You know, like oh, there might be something to that. I think I used to be smarter, but then Wi-Fi became a thing. Dude, Wi-Fi is fucking you up. We got Wi-Fi installed, and they were like, "Well, the plugs in your room," and I was like, "Ah, I really don't want it in my bedroom." And they said, "Well, you could have it in your bedroom, or you could not have Wi-Fi at all." And I was like, "Okay, fine, put it in there." So we sleep with Wi-Fi every night, and my my phones. That's not good, bro. It's not good. None of it's good. And radiation is similarly probably not good, but it's not this thing where, oh, my fucking asshole's falling out. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> I love that that would be some guy's excuse in the ER room is, oh, it was radiation, not hours of gay sex. <laughs> You know what I miss? I miss a good spontaneous combustion. Those never happen anymore. That, you, that's a but also but spontaneous combustion is real. I think it's real. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, by definition, right? It's like a UFO. Yeah, it's like you, something you was flying. Where it's I don't like, know what it's it was. Like, it's like two so. boots and a bunch of soot around it. <laughs> what else made that happen, dude? Like nothing else could have. The person's uh, fat content got too high, and something just had to happen. I think that's what it is. I think the fat gets lit on fire because because fat's super combustible. Mm. You know, uh, you 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 don't want to be <laughs> around an open flame. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say you don't want to be around a fat person. <laughs> a fat person? Well, I don't want to be around that either. Do you guys know very many fat people? Uh, well, what's the, what, what's the definition of, of fat here? Just I know a few. Big old fucking <laughs> bitch. <laughs> uh, you can walk into like any department store in New York City and you'll smell them anyway. I was, I was, I was, like, <laughs> I was getting pissed at Walmart yesterday. I was in there to buy uh, spaghetti sauce parmesan and spaghetti noodles i was making spaghetti if you if you couldn't guess and uh (laughs) just just getting through the aisles there were all these bitches on rascal scooters but they look at they look at you all crazy when you go down the Mm -hmm. aisle with your cart you know like they're taking up the whole aisle and they just look at you like what i'm i'm disabled (laughs) <laughs> like how they keep, you know, they they want to put uh, body positivity out there and have bigger people and film and everything. Yeah, it's cool. And I, right? I, well, I, I'm just waiting for the technology to catch up because they come on screen and I'm like, where, where's, what am I watching here? I can't, <laughs> I can't see around. I'm like trying to, I'm trying to look over, but you can't look over someone's shoulder who's on <laughs> camera, you know. Yeah, like I watched that movie Precious, and I was like, "What is happening? What's going on? I can't see shit." That that's something that I've gotten into recently. Is I'll go on YouTube and I'll watch like hour long '80s, '70s, '90s commercials, 
and the people are just like normal conventionally attractive people right and now right. they're just mounds of flesh big enormous dude balls so of flesh it's disgusting i don't know how that i don't understand the whole process of of marketing with that type of person how it's effective like i've worked for companies before where they've you know i've, I've worked for fashion companies and they've tried pushing overweight models or I don't know, whatever certain type of model that wouldn't be the conventional like blonde, 90 pound white girl. And their bottom line always suffers from it to the point where they're like, mm -hmm. we can't do that anymore or at least cut it down. I, I don't understand how all these corporations are still being sustainable on that. That's why I see we want to succeed and make a lot of money. So we talk all the shit about fat people to make sure that our our bottom line never looks like that. Hot, hotties, exactly. hotties only on <laughs> that's a good rule of thumb and they don't need they don't listen to the show anyways because their ear holes are too small whenever they get the like <laughs> their head swells up <laughs> so it's the radiation mm -hmm. and, the, and the fatness yeah. it's the radiation from the microwave so what are what are y'all's favorite moments from the meatball machine movies I, i'm including uh, actually you know what before i say that Lorez, uh, what happens in the short film? Okay, so the short film is not actually a short film. According to Wikipedia, and that's about as reliable as it probably is unreliable, uh, there was a full movie. There was a full, like, 90-minute movie that was put out in 1999. I have no idea where you can find that. But there was an abbreviated version of that film that was reduced to, I think, 13 minutes Put on the DVD and Blu-ray of Meatball Machine from 2005. Same director and everything. And there's um, an upload of that onto YouTube. It's shot, I believe, on film. It's four by three, so it's like a VHS rip. And it looks kind of cool. It's got like a, like a 90s Japanese advert kind of style to it. And the costumes are essentially the same. I would say that the general look is about as good as the 2005 one anyway. And it's just mostly like a fight sequence. There's the affection fight sequence. Something else happens. Um, it's probably the most technically proficient of the three. So I don't, I, would, I don't know. I'd be curious to check out the, the full version if it ever surfaces. But I'm curious what, what that what, full what, version what, what, might look like. Cause like that, that sounds like a, a Kenneth Anger's Rabbit's Moon situation. That it, it could be something like that. Y'all ever see that? Where mm -hmm. no, mm -hmm. there's like three different versions of it, and I've seen, I think all three. I think I've seen and, the long, the long version. It's like the weird mime guy, right? Yeah, like yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the long version of that. But they're pretty much all the same, and one's like an hour and twenty minutes, and one's like fifteen minutes. But it's because it's like this really sped up, like silent movie type with the different think, yeah, music. Yeah, I think and... I saw the one I saw was like twenty four minutes. I think. Uh, what do you, Lobrez? What do you mean by the most technically proficient movie? Like, what, I think what there's maybe because you know I only saw thirteen minutes of it. There are less flaws, I guess, that I can point at um, compared to the. 2005 one and then the 2017 what are the sequel flaws? like t like I'm, I'm i'm genuinely interested like what are the flaws that you see in these movies i think a lot of the camera work in the 2005 one feels amateur like with the composition or the framing of certain people in that i'm speaking uh, specifically of 
there's a sequence with like the chubby guy with long hair and he's talking and it's just kind of awkward framing and there's things of that matter where it just feels like maybe we're going on too long or maybe this could have been i don't know tightened up or thought out a little better interesting so it's it's a matter of length it can be uh in the case of that one it kind of feels like that Okay. And like what's on what what's in the shot and how like the composition of it. Is right, there can that, be like, there can be unappealing shots that just have like nothing going on. Um you know, I don't I don't think you really have to like do a by the book sort of thing for, for the most part if you uh, you know, try to follow the rule of thirds, I think you're probably heading off in a better direction than you might be. What's the rule of thirds? It's just to essentially be mindful of middle of the frame, left of the frame, right of the frame. You don't want any empty space if you have a say in it. So wait, so you want every third of the frame to have something in it? Is that what, is that what you Yeah, mean? more or less. Yeah. You want it, <clears throat> you want a full picture of some sort. So if it was just like me standing in front of a white wall and I was off to the left or something, you had two thirds of space that's just wide open, nothing's happening. That would probably be creatively considered a lesser shot than if, really? aside okay. from all these okay. Christmas decorations behind me right now, it's a very festive. <laughs> You're very well composed here. right now. See me, yes. I've got darkness and the like. You can barely see. Yeah, the, you're not listening to rule of thirds. There's just black just, over here. I'm just a shiny forehead. I'm just a shiny <laughs> forehead with a little fan hanging Wait, on the wall and a, you've got a nice spikely dutch angle going on though that's that's not true though because i've seen a lot of movies where a lot of the shots has nothing in it yeah you can put whatever you want on camera you don't have to follow low res's rules but no they I'm do curious. they should because i'm a master <laughs> filmmaker no, but i i'm genuinely curious like like what like i've seen so many movies where that that isn't a thing so you're supposed to have something in every third of the shot. Generally speaking, it's looked at or, uh, yeah, it's, I would say that's encouraged is to have a more interesting frame, um, more interesting, just composition to a shot. I think interesting is a good way to explain it because there are instances where emptiness can be used to like in juxtaposition to whatever's on the left of frame, say, Mm -hmm. like if it's like, what. Like, why wasn't he centered? But hmm. that kind of emptiness lends to the sort of... Yeah, uh, it, it, it all depends on the tone and what you're trying to convey in a scene, of course. Um, there's certainly examples of that, that that go against whatever the conventional rules or, or whatever might be that uh, exemplify that well. So at the, like the end of Old Boy, when he's in the snow, and it's a bunch of snow... And there's kind of nothing going on except for like this guy walking in snow. How does that fit into the the rule of thirds? Well, I haven't seen Old Boy in a couple of months at least, but you know he's out in the forest. You know he's in an active location where there's something mm-hmm. happening behind him. So yeah, it would I think just be thinking of a different movie. I, I would I would say it, it would just be like if someone was sitting in front of a wall, you know. Um, you want some sort of, you want something in the background and that, you know, it doesn't have to be like an active thing. It could just be an out of focus, cool piece of wallpaper or something or, mm-hmm. or a picture 
that's on the wall, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you don't want to necessarily draw attention away from wherever the focus point of the shot is, but it's generally um, going to be something that's more visually appeasing. Why? I don't know. I have just, just how, I guess, the interpretation goes with, with humans. I think because movies are visual, so... It's like how, like, if you read Fight Club, there's not a ton of, like, these crazy descriptions, especially, like, their, <laughs> their clothes are never described. But mm -hmm. then you watch, like, you think of the movie Fight Club, and I think of the fucking clothing, for sure. And then, like, it's kind of just a lot of action verbs through the book. But once translated to screen, you've got to have these <laughs> sets and, like, interesting like the wallpaper textures and shit like that. Well, and it's also, so I'm thinking about Meatball Machine now, and uh, especially in those later fight scenes, they found a kind of industrial park to, to do a lot of that in. And you will get shots of these people in full Power Rangers Meatball Machine makeup where they're like a cyborg, right? And the shot will get their their face and maybe the first third of their chest and then in the background it's sort of nondescript mm -hmm. like tankers or whatever and it is kind of uninteresting because there's sort of nothing going on outside of the uh the, the costume design you mm -hmm. know? yeah if they wanted like they should have gone full uh tetsuo and just zoomed into everything well you know Just... tetsuo is so unique it's such a unique movie in terms of how like tetsuo took a year to film and sukamoto's a psychopath he's a complete psychopath when it comes to filmmaking he nobody who has worked with sukamoto is friends with him now uh and he has that he has that classic bit in uh Takashi Miike's diary of shooting Itchy the Killer. He uh he shared sets with Sukamoto, who was making uh Bullet Ballet. Or was it Tokyo Fist? It was no, Bullet it was, Ballet. It was Bullet Ballet. And uh <laughs> Miike went into the set one day, shot eight scenes left and he wrote in his diary that Tsukamoto was still he was working on a scene that he'd been working on for three days right and Miike famously said like that is why I will never beat him because he's, he's too much of a perfectionist aren't there three versions of Tetsuo as well there you are. know I yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know so I've seen two of them I saw an hour long one and I feel like I saw one that was closer to 90 minutes. I've only seen the hour one. Where did you see the, the 90 minute one? So I watched, I think the hour long one was on YouTube and then the 90 minute one, they might've played on Joe Bob's last drive-in. Okay. Okay. What, well, do you guys know what the difference is between those, those two are and whatever the, the one I'm leaving out here is? I don't, unfortunately. Well, Kelby might, I, I, I don't, I don't know because I've only seen the 61 minute cut of Tetsuo. Um, 
Kelby, have you seen a longer version of Tetsuo? Nuh-uh. But no. I'm looking at our sponsor, moviecensorship.com, right now. You like that transition? <laughs> we, we, clued, we clued low res into the sponsor of this episode. So uh, moviecensorship.com is a place you can go to find comparisons of shots of tits and the theatrical and uncut versions. It's uh, different editing is what it seems like. Yeah, the, the, I don't the, see any additions the, so far. The story of Tetsu was so crazy. And the way that they made it was so crazy. And the fact that Tsukamoto got all these people who were essentially volunteers to work on this thing for as long as he got them to work on it for. And the fact that the movie turned out as good as it actually did if he had made no other movies and it was just Tetsuo, it would, he'd genius, right? Of course, he went on to make Tetsuo 3 and Nightmare Detective <laughs> and a bunch of other shit that's like really fucking bad that calls all that shit into question. But the story of Tetsuo is crazy. They got kicked out of three different shooting locations, three different apartments. Um, the woman in Tetsuo was a ballet dancer who was also, they weren't BFGF, but they were fucking, right? Like they were kind of, uh, and she worked, uh, on his next you know four or five films and then they had a falling out but like Sukamoto is just i i don't like to give too much attention to the you know the 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 testy uh, uh mean auteur thing but back in the day Sukamoto was a fucking bitch bro like <laughs> <laughs> so at 27 minutes and 51 seconds in on the longer cut you can see her feet <laughs> they cut the feet <laughs> yeah they cut the feet and she's a ballet dancer so it's like maybe that's why that's crazy maybe yeah like... <laughs> yeah they're supposed to have some like, she's got feet. titties out like it's like tetsuo's got all kinds of shit but they you get to feet. see a medium shot of his dick uh the drill dough oh, no you get to see a, a more zoomed out shot of his of his drill dough. Uh, but it's not a 90 minute cut. It's That's longer. Uh, it, it's a lot of longer shots and a matter of editing. Yeah, just like more shots thrown into what's, the, what's the pre-existing scenes. Uh, it is... Standard versions one of seven. Um, the other cut is one fourteen. Okay. So it's an additional seven minutes. Wait, one of seven minutes? An hour and seven minutes. Oh, okay. oh. yeah, I was gonna say. So it's seven minute. The the director, the one with the feet, is seven minutes longer. Hmm. I feel like there's plenty of room as well in that movie where you know it, it makes sense how it would lose so much time <clears throat> excuse me because of all the fast-paced editing which gives it such like a unique i don't know a unique style or, or something i thought you had a home invader or something 
Kelby. Yeah, there was uh, uh, some gunshots going off. He's he's not kidding. He's not kidding. <laughs> like that's that's oh, actually Kel- like Kelby. <laughs> I was talking to Kelby either today or yesterday, and he was like, "Yeah, at five, somebody was beating on my door, so I grabbed my gun and fucking went out." And his yeah. wife was all yelling, and I'm like, "No, don't, don't do it, baby. Don't kill me. Don't, <laughs> don't do it." No, nah, she wasn't yelling that. She's uh, seven months pregnant, so she was like, kill that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to fall asleep. This kid just stopped kicking, and now somebody's trying to... And what's so crazy, bro, is I've seen your neighborhood on Google Maps, and it looks uh-huh. fine, but it's it's just who lives there, right? Like, Yeah, it, it's a... Uh... I love this type of neighborhood. Like, I'm from the hood where you can expect, like, 30 gang member gang fights in the front yard there was one time where uh well there was one time my brother and i ducked a drive-by while we were outside playing basketball there was another time where like 30 people pulled up in three cars and just started like wailing on each other one dude kicked in the passenger side door that's a lot of people for for three cars no but i think they kind of you know stole some ideas there um <laughs> some of them were riding on the top some, some cultural like, appropriation from black people to mexicans some, <laughs> yeah some cultural appropriation going on with uh but here is just nice quiet and every once in a while every once in a while meaning every once every couple of months you either hear a crazy amount of gunshots going off down the road uh see it going off or somebody's trying to break into your house that's why i'm so happy i moved in here i live in the fucking burbs bro the i'm i'm in the suburbs i was uh the house that i moved from was you know it's a hundred years old i was next to a, a an abandoned house that you know kids and homeless people would fuck in and uh i would like walk outside my that that house and you know i lived by an aqueduct and like i would just walk outside and there would one time i saw two people in full-on like bicycle gear you know like lycra (laughs) yeah uh, thing like there were two of them in my aqueduct like fucking each other (laughs) (laughs) so i am so grateful that i live no problems where i live now it's just quiet speaking of the random fucking i loved that whenever there's the glass flying through space in the second movie before it hurls down to earth and like encapsulates part of the city under the dome style there's uh there's a dude taking a piss whose penis gets <laughs> severed and there's just blood going everywhere and they um they i'm sorry to interrupt but like they 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 cut back to that severed penis three times right? well they it's, made a like severed penis back, i mean they you keep know going back to it like the, the 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 montage keeps playing and they're like and by the way Severed penis. <laughs> Here it is again. They reward you later on with the like tits transit. That was <laughs> I cracked up whenever the tits when she's riding the motorcycle guy transition to 
other tits in the club of the when they're fighting the like necroborgs. Oh, this 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 might actually be this might be fun. Low res, can you uh can you describe the titty scene that we're talking about in in Meatball Machine Two? Well, you're, you're kind of given like a good, uh, you know, there's a girl and, you know, she's, she's doing this. And then I get, I, if I remember correct her, does her shirt like burst off or something? No, She she, rips it she off. rips it She, off. she rips it off. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, suddenly you're, 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 you know, allowed to, to view these, I would say probably like a 32 C, uh, uh, size breast. Some And, good uh, they really titties, are, bro. they're. Some good, good boobs. They're, they're pretty nice, you know, it's got like good uh, nippled areola <laughs> uh, circumference, I think, you know, and uh, it seems to be just like the focal point of the scene as it plays out. Um, I can't she's remember riding mu a much man. else. Yes. She's riding a man who's a motorcycle. Yes. So a man becomes a motorcycle and he, uh, He rips her little, her, her brother, her little brother into pieces, right? Because he's got these two, uh, Well, everybody, all the Necroborgs have like kind of these tentacle knives that come out of them. Right. he was the first one though. Like that's not, that's not in the first movie, No, right? That's, no, that's that's, not, that's, that's that's not in the an, first that's one. an introduction in the second movie where they get these, these two little knife feeler things. And so he kills her little brother, like, uh, busts out of the apartment, and her little sister is holding on to him by a string of intestines, And and then she's riding him like a motorcycle. And to control him, the way that she figures out how to control this guy, is by ripping off her shirt. <laughs> And using that as a bit, like in like a horse's bit, to to steer, but then you know. she has to take off her bra. Then she takes the bra off so he can't see shit. Those are the blinders. That's right. <laughs> Yes. So and he goes then, from a motorcycle to a horse. and then as the movie goes on, and you see our hero, uh, you know, fighting bad guys, and uh, you know the the ninja crew. I did. I did like that the the ninja crew had a a Jackie Chan lookalike that did the drunken mastership, where he found a like a little bit of vodka and he drank it, and he got all like sick with it. Remember that shit? Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know about the Jackie Chan lookalike I think there's about part. twenty Jackie Chan lookalikes in this movie. Yeah, it seemed like I'm just going The down girl, the cast the, the girl list. with the Like, good boobs was kind of Jackie Chan esque. dude, she looks like a female Jackie Chan. If you know, what I mean. <laughs> but But inner, that like that inner, scene inner, really. inner, inner cut with all this is this woman, uh, topless, riding this motorcycle guy, and the camera is just right on those titties, and It's very good composition. I, I wish The composition, more movies, it follows I wish the more rule movies of thirds. did this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> On I wish one more third, movies did you this, have a like. boob, and the other <laughs> third, Can you imagine, you've got another one. like Desperado, if in Desperado, Robert Rodriguez was like, Salma, listen. <laughs> I know you were uncomfortable to begin with with the Antonio Banderas scene, even though he's very handsome, but... <laughs>
we want to have you riding this horse, right? But the horse For goes buck minutes. wild. 15 minutes. And to calm this horse down, you're going to have to rip off your blouse. <laughs> you blouse. <laughs> that, that started to sound more Werner Herzog than Robert Rodriguez. I'm really bad at accents. <laughs> and in this scene, you rip off your It's <laughs> pretty good. It's on the eyes. That's how you know I'm not racist, because I don't know which German, what, Mexican which person I'm trying to sound I don't know like. who I'm being racist against. <laughs> oh, speaking of racism, they had a nice deal of uh, blackface in the second one. Yeah, they that's did. what sold me, is you you sent me a DM that said, hey, there's blackface in the second one, if you can make time for it. And I said, boy, can I? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was a treat. <clears throat> Dude, watching Asian people in blackface is so funny. It's just funny. You know, yeah. up until I want to say like the 90s or something, it wasn't like looked at as a bad thing. There was like a blackface resurgence in the UK in the 1980s. A friend of mine uh, who's a porn filmmaker who goes by the name Orson Swells, his father, <laughs> his father was a, a notorious... <laughs> Uh, blackface artist sick name. like respect to that name that's so good <laughs> but I, yeah yeah as late even as a uh, 2010 i think it was when i was going to community college because there was a uh my, my quick college story long and short of it because i was only there for a couple of semesters it, when you're poor you can go to college for free um at least down here and so i was just going to college but the like the catch was if you miss too much which i did for work and shit um you can't go ever like they're like you you, you don't get a higher education because you were spending all your time at work so the couple of semesters i was there though there was a this like thing called ethics bowl where people in this creative writing course you had to come up with uh, ethical arguments in essay form about just whatever range of topics. And I, one that I got was about debarking dogs. And then another one was about yellow face. And I struggled so hard with this essay, trying to say something beyond, I don't get what the big deal is. <laughs> and, uh, but I got an A. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's wrong for, for people of different races to portray each other. I think that's what acting actually is. I think, uh, you know, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Mickey Rooney, I think that's fine. And what's funny about that is that, like, the races who are often being parodied think it's funny. It's, a, it's always a third party who's offended for somebody else, you know? Like, oh, you shouldn't like yellow face or black face. Meanwhile, I, black people are like, that shit. Like, black people love Dragon Ball, bro. They got Mr. Popo. Mr. Uh -huh. Popo, yeah. Mr. Popo is like literally like a Sambo fucking, you know, caricature of black people. <laughs> and black people are like, yeah, this is cool. It's whatever. I don't think I could see a caricature of, of white people that would really hurt my feelings. The wild whites of West Virginia, 
is a caricature yeah. of white people that cracks me up. Like it's I fun. love, it's, I fucking it's love that yeah, shit. It's fine. It's yeah. Now it is white people being white people, but like, if it was, it's white people doing white face, basically. Tyler the Creator has done white face, and I think that shit's yeah. hilarious. Chappelle, white chicks, white chicks. White that chicks, was funny. Yeah, like who? Like it's all, it's all, it's all funny. But you do one little black face, and all of a sudden it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know didn't Willem Dafoe recently do like a Hispanic like he he tanned his face up and played a Cuban or something or played a Mexican person maybe, in some recent maybe. film? Yeah, what movie was that? I, could I feel like that. it might have been uh, Robert Rodriguez movie from the last well, decade because he's so he he's so. I, I feel like uh, uh, Bobby LaRue was kind of Latinx adjacent, right? His uh, his character in Wild at Heart. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's Cajun, right? But it was it was coded kind of Hispanic. Mm -hmm. That kind um, of Latino. Yeah, I can see that. But I don't Jack know. Jack Black like, and uh, Nacho Libre, classic. Yeah, of course, right. All oh, right. Which, by the way, the only people who I've ever met who like Nacho Libre are Mexicans. But when I went to see it in theaters, it was all Mexicans. <laughs> Dude, white people don't like Nacho Libre. <laughs> it was it was one it was one family, and they then the theater was packed. Yeah, yeah. And but yeah, no, that's a great movie. That's but how Willem you go. Defoe, Willem Dafoe is kind of like he's ugly enough to be whatever race. <laughs> I would love to see him as an Asian man. I would I would pay twice <laughs> to see that. Pay double to see that. Breakfast at Tiffany's remake. With oh Willem fuck, Defoe. that would be beautiful. Imagine <laughs> with the, the teeth and the big glasses. Oh my god, look <laughs> great. Oh man, <laughs> one of my one of my favorite movies recently was The Northman, and uh, and he was great. He plays a he plays like a living skull in that movie. Have you seen The Northman? Yeah, I you know I'm not big on um, that was Robert Eggers, right? I, I I'm not over the moon uh, about like the witch or the the lighthouse. So I was kind of oh, whatever. I hated, I hated the witch. I hated the witch. Mm -hmm. I thought and, the lighthouse uh, was good, but I the the Northman was sick, bro. I loved it. Was sick. It's one of my top five for the year. I, I was disappointed that it didn't perform well at the box office. Um, but I guess that's kind of expected at this point for anything that's not IP. Right, right. I thought the, yeah, I thought the North, the, I actually purchased, which is really weird. For, I, I, I paid nineteen ninety nine to buy the North man on Amazon prime. So I could, I could just watch it whenever. And I just, put it on whenever um it's a it's a sick movie and uh willem defoe's in that and he's like uh he comes out you can't even see his face he's just got this big fake dick and he's like oh yeah, everybody's fucking your wife because you're gay and then, <laughs> like the next scene you see him he's just a skull and like yeah we killed him because he was too funny <laughs> i just gotta say that's another perfect transition we just started doing ad reads this episode and we're like pros at this shit 
Goodbye, what do you get a blue chew ad coming out now ad. no 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 the, is, is the northman the northman oh the northman okay goodbye the northman <laughs> sponsored <laughs> by the northman we really are doing ads now because we, we want to make money <laughs> we were uh we, like we we've joked about doing ads in the past and then a lot of people started listening to the show and we were like hey we should probably like do ads. Yeah, we were like, we're never doing that shit when we were used to having podcasts that got like 36 downloads. And then when that ticked way up into the multiple those, digits, it's like, past, uh, like a, a thousand each one, you're like, somebody want to pay us to talk about <laughs> dick pills? <laughs> or drugs. I mean, or drugs. Yeah. There was a box you could check in like this ad marketplace. It was like, what are you willing to advertise? And I was just like, everything. Hit the everything button. <laughs> there was like literally an illegal substances button. And I was like, except that seems like a trap. That seems mm -hmm. like if I click this, that seems like a trap. <laughs> we did get off track, but I do want to like, from the second movie, did you guys have favorite bits from that one? Hmm. I mean, not to keep going to the topless scene, but I think that was that was probably the peak for it's, me. It's, um, it's, a, it's a peak, yeah. It's, it's also where the, the theme and the message of the movie kind of is fully distilled into this brilliant metaphor of how we as humans treat animals and like animal rights, where she's i i don't know i was i was trying i was trying to make that go on animal rights dog what, what are you talking about we're talking about titties you're talking about animals. uh you know something to do with the the horse and the, the yeah what, well, what, what was it woman woman is something of the world cow of the world <laughs> yeah so <laughs> yeah so there there's like a cow and there's a cow and horse thing going on. Mm -hmm. Cow it's and great. chicken. That was my favorite Cartoon Network show. Cow and chicken Dude, was great. Cow and chicken was great. Cow and chicken. Cat dog was good too. Y'all remember cat dog? Cat yeah, dog. I, I was just trying to figure out the other day what that little blue guy Winslow was. It's just it was the obvious answer. He's a mouse. Wait, what, what, <laughs> what show was Winslow in? Cat, cat dog. dog. He was in cat dog. Yeah, yeah, he was like the neighbor who lived in their house. Dude, and he's always like, hey, video. what y'all doing out here? <laughs> Cartoons, bro, whether it was like Adventure Time or Courage the Cowardly Dog or Cat Dog or Cow and Chicken or Ren and Stimpy, that was a that was a moment, dude. Cartoons were doing some shit. You guys remember the the big head? Remember when Adult Swim had the the competition for whatever cartoon would, you know, actually become a cartoon? And uh mm. Like Dexter's Lab won, and I think uh, I think Cap, uh, Courage was one of those that came out of that. But one of the the shorts that was in that it was a guy who just had a really long head, and he had like a a, a thing that he rolled his head around in. No, this sounds like something I probably watched. It's it's but... vaguely familiar to me. I remember he, the competition. He was like, he, he was a spaceman and he had this big dickhead that came out in front of him. It was called like the big head or something like that. But uh, yeah, there were a lot of, a lot of flops. <laughs> <laughs> big dickhead flopped. Uh, yes. but I always remember that one being like, that would have been a 
fucking badass show. Like a dude with a big fucking dickhead. Um, (laughs) 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 You know, it's, it's hilarious and never on purpose how these episodes always tend to um, fit thematically with what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> we keep spiraling out of control. Like, uh, so the movie, and that's exactly how the movie is. <laughs> yeah, it's very all over the place. Um, I, when you were talking about the atomic bomb earlier, I wanted to ask if you guys have covered much of uh, Nabiko Obiashi's work, the guy who did House. We, we have we only, house. yeah, we've only done uh, House so far. Oh man. Uh, well, if you guys ever do Drifting Classroom, I would I would be very down to be on Let's for that go. show. That that movie is based on a manga, I think, and uh, there might have been like a remake or something recently. And it's a fucking weird movie with very oddly inappropriate things like. Uh, I think in the first 10 minutes, there's a boy who runs out of the shower and hugs his mom naked because he's so excited to go on a field trip or something. A lot of stuff like that. <laughs> oh, I got to recommend this to you guys. You want to talk about blackface? watch a movie that has little kids and naked. <laughs> <laughs> Say <laughs> invite, less, bro. In, invite Lil Rose on because he wants to talk about shit, bro. <laughs> Nabiko Obiashi uh, is a fearless director. That's what I'll say. There's uh, there's another movie of his that I got to recommend to you guys. I think it's on YouTube still. Um, and this is on point with the blackface conversation from before. It's an animated film called Kenya Boy. And uh, <laughs> it's so bizarre. And uh, it's yeah. I think it's about a boy who goes to Africa and he doesn't exactly look black. And I th- think he's like fighting Hitler or Nazis or something and it's been a couple of years since I watched it but there's it's just one of the most bizarre things I've I've seen you would know you who guys, has never would cared kill, would you guys kill baby Hitler no I'm not gonna kill a baby no I wouldn't either you, I'm not a psychopath no mm. yeah no you then you gotta think well then I gotta live the rest of my life as a sociopath because I just murdered a child what yeah. if you develop a fetish for that? What if you got to keep doing it because you killed baby Hitler? What you don't guys tell me, like my, my wife was uh, reading this collection by Edgar Carrot, uh, who's one of my favorite writers. I think Edgar Carrot's just, I think he's a genius, but he, in his uh, collection, something with, something with fish, there's a, it's like a sci-fi story and in this sci-fi story, people get cloned so that people can kill them. So like if somebody kills your family and then they die, they can harvest their their cells and like recreate that person so you can, you know, blow them away with a shotgun or whatever. <laughs> and, and, and she was she was telling me this uh, so in this story, there's this guy who uh, it turns out he's been cloned and he's like 10 years old. He's a kid <laughs> and somebody's like hunting him and trying to kill him. And it's the, the clone of Hitler, basically. And she was like, it's the craziest shit because like I felt bad for baby Hitler. It's like, yeah, of course you did. Yeah, because yeah, he's a baby. He's a baby because he's a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. 
That's like, it's, it's not what you might do or even what you will do. Uh, man, he's he's really getting it this week for hanging out with like C-list YouTubers. Mm. I think what they're talking about Nick Fuentes and him hanging out or something. It's sad, bro. It's sad. Like, I know. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Nick Fuentes, bro. Nick Fuentes, like you go from. What's Nick and, Fuentes? And he, he's like a Nazi or something like that. He's uh, I, I mean, well, he's like a quarter Hispanic guy who tries to get get by on his last name, but he's like, I don't know. He's a white nationalist dude, I guess, who hosts the, dude, the very Spanish Tucker Carlson. Like, doesn't matter. Like, people who no. think that Mexicans are. <laughs> Mexicans uh, are are base, bro. Like, Ted Cruz, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Nick Fuentes, oh, I'm a Mexican. You're a bitch. Shut up. So he's he's a he's he's a his whole thing is like white nationalism. Or- I, I think him- I think so. Not not overtly necessarily, but it's a lot of uh, pointed humor that isn't just humor. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah, I watched him on a no jumper. And he was explaining how... Was he how, the guy on No Jumper? Yeah, he was saying how... Nick Fuentes was on No Jumper? Yeah. He was. That's pretty yeah, mainstream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he like, was on... Well, like, they they would ask him questions on No Jumper. Like, Adam22 would be like, uh, so you don't think that uh, the races should mix? He's like, that's, a, that's correct. But it's been misrepresented by liberal media. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> it's like, but you just, but you just said that's correct. He's he's basically like, yes, I don't think races should mix. Um, yes, so I think, and he was like, I'm not. He was doing this great thing where he was like, I'm not racist, but black people just aren't as smart. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. he was like, I'm just, I'm just that's saying because good. Yeah. he was like, yeah, but like, let me, like, yeah, yeah, the IQ is not, not at the same level. He was like, just let me explain this to you. Like, just let me explain because you're not smart. You're not going to get it. Um, <laughs> but I'm not racist. <laughs> it was pretty fucking funny. Yeah. It was, uh, all those guys like Nick Fuentes and Ben Shapiro. If you, cause I've listened to both of them. I listened to the Nick Fuentes No Jumper, and then I listened to the <laughs> uh, Low Res's favorite podcaster, Lex Friedman. Oh. I listened to the Lex Friedman. <laughs> he Lex blocked Friedman. me. He blocked me over something really benign <laughs> before I started going on my rampages against him on Twitter. Which is because I, I watched his Kanye interview, and I was like, I was just getting frustrated with all of his responses because he kept circling back and then he took deep offense to Kanye being like, I don't trust you. And like, didn't he just meet this guy? So why? why?" And then he couldn't get over that. And he had to go back to it at the end. Like, well, maybe, you know, I need friends who trust me. I don't know. Just shut up. Fucking you have Kanye on your show. Chill out. He he got on famously (laughs) with Ben Shapiro. And uh, so I listened to the two and a half hour Ben Shapiro Lex Friedman interview. And agonizing. These, Sounds agonizing. Yeah. Dudes, Jesus Christ. All these dudes, all these like right wing dudes, like the right wing is so fucking gay. Like they all just get back to, I think that gay sex is weird and that you should be married and that you shouldn't uh, mix with people who don't look like you. And they, yes. they, they, they package it in all these different 
ways to try to get you. But ultimately, their fucking, their worldview is cocked and gay. <laughs> it's just like, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Dude? See, like, I'm, I'm old school right wing just in the way that, like, I like guns. It goes art and guns. And that's pretty much my politics. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I can build things with my hands mm -hmm. and not call people to help me with shit. Yeah, I think it does come down to, um, you know, the people who are advocating for these things primarily uh, are just very lame. And they're not like setting a good example yeah, of themselves. No, it's fucking, like, you listen to Ben Shapiro and it's like, Hot, this high-pitched nasally voice facts and logic dude and he's like yeah i just i, I think that uh a marriage should be between a man and a woman and that it's a sacred bond and what <laughs> have you ever seen any of those uh daily wire round tables or um you know they do these special events where it's just like for the same guy sitting around with a giant cigar in their mouth that they're sucking on like a dick talking about uh oh i love scotch and, and whiskey and and traditional values that sort of I, i'll watch those just to make myself sick um, <laughs> yeah it's all the same aesthetic and identity bullshit mm -hmm. on all that's all I, politics kind of turned into wrestling in the sense of like but it didn't leave the dressing room right like the kayfabe politics as wrestling where it was kind of going into that uh there was that one dude running for senator of somewhere and he was like uh i think he was running blue but he was all about like guns are like i'm with it like i'm not banning the ar and shit and his infomercial or his a uh, campaign ad was like him like standing with this ar at the at the back door of his house as the kkk comes running up on him <laughs> oh the black guy yeah, yeah, I, yeah that yeah. ad was something <laughs> and then there's the the dude who's always smoking weed and like burning the confederate flag like like just that that sort of theatric the mm -hmm. theatrics of it i was like and trump trump's whole thing was fucking theatrical i was like I can be, I'm with this, but politics is just another identity label. Like, it's just ugh, so stupid. Yeah, it's uh, it's only going to get worse from here as we get closer to 2024. Yo, so what's happening in 2024? I, st I stopped doing Twitter. I just, I just stopped. I woke up this morning. And I was like, I felt great. I felt like in a really good mood. And then I looked at my Twitter app and I opened it. And the first, you know, four things I saw were stupid as fuck. And then I just closed it, deleted the app, and I haven't been back. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got to capitalize on on this, but say it's Elon Musk's fault, so you can get included in a right, bunch of right, listicles. Right. And I thought that was so funny because so many people made a, a big thing about publicly quitting Twitter, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm fucking done with this. And my thing was that, like, I just opened it, and I feel like I feel like a circle was closed because I love that Elon Musk took took over Twitter. I love that you know all the lib 
uh, bullshit got disrupted and all of a sudden there weren't all these sensors there to, to, you know, handle whatever slightly unorthodox opinion was being broadcasted. You know, it, like the funniest story about the Twitter thing is that he fired everybody except for 150 people <laughs> and Twitter's still fine. It just, still a it, bit much, if you ask it, me. It just runs the way it was. So I thought that like after that happened, I felt kind of like, you know, the 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 shot of the like the sun going down and like the hero walking off into the sunset with his sword. And I was like, that's me right now. Like I'm I'm done. I'm done with Twitter. Like <laughs> I, I, I there's nothing else for me to do here. So I opened it. And I just, I, I saw more of the same, you know, dumb bullshit, whatever. And I, uh, yeah, I just deleted it. And I don't think I'm going to go. I, I feel done in the way that I felt done when I left uh, MySpace or, Twi or uh, uh, Facebook or whatever, you know. Like, I've been off Facebook for two years now. Like, I haven't been back. Yeah, I felt that way with Twitter today. I was like, no, it's 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 done. We we kind of won. We kind of won. You know, there's a a, a semi-base dude in charge who's fucking shit up. So I can leave now. I'm curious how long it's going to take uh, for that influence to seep back into just corporate culture in general. Because I feel it, it, it took a couple of years for all of these corporations, networks, studios to all get on the same page of whatever Twitter's, um, you know, main core beliefs were, all right, we got to kind of revolve ourselves around that whole ethos. Um, how that's going to take shape as it maybe starts to reset. Because places like Warner Brothers, they have like a new president or CEO or whatever. And that guy's um, whole MO is, all right, we got to cut the fat. We're losing too much money. Uh, let's get rid of all these woke projects. And uh, some other company as well, I think is suffering because of that. Or like Disney, Disney laid off a bunch of people. Although the, the guy who's in charge now, I think his name's Bob Chappick or Bob Iger. Um, not much better than the dude who just got fired. Dude, Hulu's gonna hire Anna Katchian and Dash Nekrasova to do a show, and then the whole thing's gonna flip. That's how it's gonna work. There's gonna be like a Red Scare TV show, <laughs> and then everything's gonna flip. All the woke shit's gonna because it's all about what sells, right? Mm -hmm. So they get Anna and Dasha, or you know, whoever, Jack, or whoever else to, to, to be on a TV show. And then it's, and then it's done. I give it, I give it two and a half years of, of more woke bullshit. And then we kind of level out. I've been biding my time till then because bro, I'm going to thrive in the alt-right era of media. <laughs> Can come at it so much, so much more purely. Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to thrive for the past like six, seven years. When was Trump elected six years ago? It was a few years before that when the, 
so yeah. Well, it, it stepped into the literary circle before anywhere else, right? As yeah, far as it, it mediums yeah. go. Yeah, it got it got super bad and lit. Super bad. I capitalized on it a bit, but after a while I was like, holy shit. <laughs> this is worse than I thought. But the lit thing is starting to uh, burn itself out too because a lot of these people who have made names for themselves off of that kind of rhetoric their books don't sell so it's great for us it's all burning down because we're still writing yeah yeah just let me be the only person putting out books that's fine with me yeah what is nine what does non-binary mean um what is it just not not <laughs> not conforming to i love asking two other straight white dudes like, <laughs> <laughs> because this is like this is a good litmus test for like how the country feels about this shit you know like i don't know what nine non-binary means all the words that mean so like they're <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> no I'm saying I've been wrong about what everything means when it pops up I thought oh woke that's probably that's me I'm woke <laughs> at the beginning of it that's and what then, I tell everybody uh, I'm woke same uh -huh. same I still well, but time, I, but the I used the, I ever heard woke, the first time I ever heard woke was uh Darius in Atlanta and I was like that's me I'm woke I'm, I'm gonna stay woke <laughs> oh and then yeah and then uh donald glover had that song too where he's telling you to stay woke they can yeah, find I, you i thought it was a cool thing i they thought catch you sleeping was, I thought everybody did cool. that's how that's when everyone became woke and that's what caused the problem <laughs> i'm like, still oh, woke oh, but the o i spell with a sign in red like, <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> I guess that's it. If you got, if you guys have any final thoughts on Meatball Machine, uh, hit me with them. Otherwise, we're we're calling this shit. Uh, is Meatball Machine two a woke film since it exists in the woke era? No, no. <laughs> but it's full of diversity. Sure, blackface. There's yes, yes. <laughs> uh, midgets. There's the midget. Mm -hmm. The midgets. I did. I loved. Actually, that might have been my favorite scene when uh, he first goes to the strip, or what was it? The cabaret. He yeah. first goes to the cabaret, and they. It was a very Lynchian, like girl in the radiator kind of. Oh yeah, vibe. yeah, yeah. The song feels like that one tune from Eraserhead, mm -hmm. um, but Japanese. It, it was yeah. just gobbledygook instead. Yeah, it was. that wasn't a slur. That was me just using <laughs> like mumbo jumbo. Yeah, that's right. It's one of my favorite books, by the way. Mumbo jumbo, Ishmael Reed. Everybody mumbo jumbo read by Ishmael Reed. Use promo code Agitator to read that on the Internet Archive for free. Yeah. All right, fellas. Lorez, thank you. Mass State Lottery. When can we watch? Can I watch the movie? Can you just send it to me? 
I'll send you guys a copy when it's when it's complete. Yeah, I won't send you the copy that exists now because we it's got a little bit to go. But when it is done, but before I give it to people who will hopefully buy it, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. send you guys a copy. Show us. Shit, show maybe us. we'll buy it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why not? I'm um, gonna I'm gonna write down a number. Okay. Mm -hmm. you just you just. All right, let's see. Let me cut over to your camera here. That is, that's, mm. I'm going to have to marinate on that. Just think about it. Just think about it. My people will be in touch with your people. <laughs> wow. It's very generous. I'll, 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 I'll give it some thought. I don't pay for shit. I don't, this, mm. I don't, I don't pay for shit. Oh I'm notorious for that. So. Oh, that's so funny. So it's very nice. Uh, it was a pleasure coming on here, fellas. I Dude, really enjoyed the show. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. But, uh, Big fan of everything you do. Really looking oh, thank forward you. to Mass State Lottery. Movies is fucking... I've just been binging. Honestly, I've pretty much just been listening to movies lately. Since I've been doing voice work and stuff, it's hard to... Uh, I used to do primarily construction, so I listened to whatever the fuck I wanted, whenever I wanted. And now it's hard to keep up with podcasts because i'm spending so much time in the studio and shit mm. uh but i've just been binging movies pretty yeah. much when i'm in the movies car and shit super legit super oh, thank legit. you guys yeah you guys will have to come back on soon we'll have to figure out uh something to cover maybe we'll cover dr drifting classroom for for that or something if you guys don't get back to let's go obayashi but i'm down let's yeah. go yeah whenever let us know bro all right Let's yeah. go. Yeah, whenever. Let us know, bro. All right.